All right, well, as you can see up on the screen, we are not in the book of Acts today. And I know, right? So, and I, I got to tell you, um, during Sunday school this morning, I was getting a little nervous because uh, if you don't join us for Sunday school, um, we, we typically we have either Eric or Tina will come up here and they'll share uh, a devotional thought, a little lesson. Um, and Eric got up this morning, he's like, yeah, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. And I went, oh, snap. I thought for sure he was preaching the same thing. So, um, uh, real quick, before, before we jump into this, as you can see, 1 Corinthians 15, 12 is where we're going to be. Uh, parents, right after the service, right now your children are participating with uh, Tina in the back here. Uh, they are having a, a, an Easter party. I have not heard if the eagle is flying yet, so I will uh, keep you posted. That's an inside joke for some people. Um, but immediately following the service, they are going to have an Easter egg hunt here behind uh, in the field back there. Hopefully it's not quite as muddy as it was on Thursday. Um, we came up here and uh, picked up a little bit. So, uh, um, but that's where you can find your kids. Don't go like, oh, where are they? And just rush out of here. Make sure you take all the kids that you brought with you, okay? <laughs> all right, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, um, beginning in verse 12. Actually, before I jump there, um, one of the, uh, today, as you can see, we're, we're entitling this message, Why the Resurrection Matters. All right. And last, last year, I looked up what I preached on, and believe it or not, I preached on 1 Corinthians 15 on Easter last, or last year as well. Um, 1 Corinthians 15 is a great chapter. We'll probably be preaching on it as long as I'm here. Um, but I want to start with this today. Thomas Jefferson. You all have heard of Thomas Jefferson, right? He's third president of the United States. He, he helped to found the University of Virginia, which is a where my, my wife graduated from, and they got bumped out of the, uh, the tournament in the first round by some college nobody had ever heard of. Um, well, anyway, Thomas Jefferson was the first president of the United States. He was a brilliant man. Uh, we teach our students that he helped to write the Declaration of Independence. Um, but unfortunately, despite his brilliance, there were some things that he just couldn't wrap his head around. There, was, there were some things that, even though he was a genius, probably one of the smartest men to ever live, there were some things that he just couldn't grasp. And one of those things were the supernatural elements that are taught in the Bible. He, he just, he couldn't do that. He lacked the faith to believe in the Jesus Christ that was revealed in the Bible. So what he decided to do was he loved Jesus as a teacher. He loved Jesus as a moral person. So what he decided to do was he got the Bible and he went through the Gospels and he cut out any mention of any type of supernatural element uh, in relation to Jesus Christ. And, and so he has this, what they call the Jefferson Bible. And he basically, he left only the ethical teachings in the scripture. And this is, um, this is what the closing words of the Jefferson Bible are. It says this, There laid they Jesus and rolled a great stone to the mouth of the sepulcher and departed. And that's how it ends. Now, for Thomas Jefferson, um, he couldn't believe in the resurrection. He, it was a stumbling block to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 tells us, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. For Thomas Jefferson, he just couldn't wrap his head around it. He was, he was a deist. like He believed that there was a God, but he, just, he, couldn't ha he didn't have the faith to believe 
that Jesus did the things that he were attributed to him and the fact that he rose from the dead. What we're going to talk about today is why the resurrection matters. Why is it important that we understand the resurrection and that we believe the resurrection? So let me read. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 22. Uh, I'm going to give Joey a little bit of workout because I put all the verses up on the screen. So if you don't have the same uh, translation I do, they should pop up on the screen. Uh, it goes like this, beginning in verse 12. It says, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ. Whom he, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have, but, if we have put our faith in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ will all be made alive. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would uh, open our hearts and open our eyes to, to what the scripture has to say, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit fill us. Let the Holy Spirit uh, open our, our, our spiritual eyes so that they are not a stumbling block to us, that, that we, we can truly see them and we can uh, get the life-giving power that comes through your word uh, as revealed to us by the, by the Spirit. Lord, give me the right words to say and help us to be emboldened by being here this morning. We ask all of this in your beautiful name. Amen. All right, there are three things that I, that I want us to look at here in regards to this. And the first one, I'm just going to lay it out there. The resurrection of Christ is a fact. All right, this isn't a debate. I'm not up here to, to argue with you. I'm just going to tell you straight out, the resurrection of Christ is a fact. And we, we see that in verse 12. It says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? The most important event in all of human history. There have been a lot of important events in all of human history. But I would argue with you. Actually, I told you it's not an argument. I'm just going to tell you straight out. The most important event in all of human history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right? there, there, there's no, nothing even compares to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, we'll talk about those reasons here in a moment. But all of humanity hangs on this one event. And I want to assert to you that the resurrection... The, to you, that the resurrection was a historical event, and there are many reasons to believe this. However, as we see in this verse, there were people in Paul's days who wanted to argue it. Right? We've been looking in, uh, in Acts, uh, Acts uh, 3, 4, 5, uh, we'll start in Acts chapter 6 next week, uh, that there were people who were trying to deny the resurrection. Right? We, we know them to be the Sadducees. They were the religious leaders that, that ran the temple. And they were trying to deny it because it was something that was supernatural. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so they were teaching others that it didn't happen. And Paul is coming right here. He's writing Corinthians and telling them straight out that it did happen. 
In fact, Matthew 28 tells us that the religious leaders, if you go and read Matthew 28, you're going to see that when the religious leaders found out that Jesus had risen from the dead, that the tomb was empty, they started to bribe the soldiers to spread this message around that the disciples had come and stolen the body. I don't know how they, how they thought that was going to happen. There was this massive stone. There were these well-trained soldiers standing in front, of the, in front of the tomb to make sure something like this wasn't going to happen. Right? The Gospels teach us that um, the, the religious leaders, when, when, they bear, when they gave the body to Joseph to go and bury, they were thinking to themselves, man, this guy's been going around saying he's, he's going to rise from the dead. There must be something at work here. We don't think it's going to happen. Well, let's just cover our butts anyway. We're going to put some soldiers over here just to make sure that the things that they're saying don't actually happen. And then when it happened, the religious leaders went, oh, well, we said it wasn't going to happen. Here, guys, come here. We're going to give you some money. We want you to go and spread this story. And it tells us in Matthew 28 that that story got spread throughout all of Jerusalem. So there were people who actually believed the disciples stole the body. Um, but this couldn't have been further from the truth because Jesus had risen from the dead. One of my favorite accounts is found in John chapter 20. So I'm going to read to you John chapter 20, verses 3 through 8. It says this, at, at that, Peter and the other disciple, in the book of John, every time you see the word other disciple, it's referring to John. Peter and the other disciple, disciple went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and believed. So Peter and John, they went running to the temple, or the to, I'm sorry, not the temple, they went running to the tomb, been talking about Acts so long, we're so used to Peter and John being in the temple. That's where I think they belong. They went running to the tomb. They went run. John looked inside. All he saw was the empty uh, grave cloths. Peter saw him. He's like, man, get out of the way. He went running inside and saw the same exact thing. Jesus was not in the, the temple. Now, Paul, as, uh, as Eric shared with us this morning, Paul, as he's writing 1 Corinthians, the first part of 1 Corinthians 15 is a list of all the people that Jesus appeared to after the resurrection. Most significant in that list, because there's all of these people that he goes, and then it says he appeared to 500 people at one time. Now, when I was in seminary, I had to write a paper about the, the resurrection, and one of the things that I studied were different things that people believe in regards to the resurrection. There are, there are some people that, that believe that Jesus just swooned, that, that he, he was so bloody and bruised from his, uh, that he passed out, they thought he was dead because his blood pressure had dropped, and they buried him. And when they put him in the tomb, the cold air woke him back up. Now, i got to ask you, if you went through all of the things that Jesus did, do you really think that he had the ability to get up, take the clothes off, push the rock out of the way, and then come out? Right? And, and, and when people saw him, they believed that he was alive. They didn't go, oh, dude, you look like I had by a truck, or I guess... In this time, got me hit by a chariot, man. What's going on? Right? They they fully believed in, and they 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 saw who he was. Um, but the most the, the most impressive one is the fact that he appeared to five hundred people at the same time. And, and skeptics will tell you that all those five hundred people they were hallucinating. Now I did a little bit of research. I didn't write down where it was, 
and the most doctors will agree that it is possible for 500 people to hallucinate all at the same time, Woodstock, right? Lollapalooza, all right? 500 people can hallucinate all at the same time, but it is nearly impossible for 500 people to hallucinate the same thing at the same time. I mean, it can happen. It's nearly impossible for them to all see the same thing at the same time. And, and Peter or Paul even says, listen, some of them are di- some of these people are dead, but most of them are still alive. If you don't believe what I got to go say, go look them up, man. They're, I'll give you their email address. You, you can go and you can go and find them. But the, the, all of this is proof that Jesus was alive. There's a guy named Chuck Colson. Some of you have probably heard of him. Chuck Colson worked for uh, Richard Nixon. He was uh, kind of a hatchet man. I don't really know what that means, but Chuck Colson seemed like a pretty bad dude. So I didn't want to, you know, he, unfortunately he's with, he's with Christ now. But um, he had this quote to say, and I think this is fantastic. I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. The apostles had seen Jesus. They knew that he was alive. The resurrection matters because the resurrection of Christ is a fact. The second thing I want us to look at today, we're going to see in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, down through 19, is that there are consequences. There are severe consequences if there is no resurrection. If there is no resurrection. I just told you that, that the resurrection was a fact. And I want you to leave today emboldened in the fact that the resurrection is 100% true. But just for a moment, let's look and see what would be the case if the resurrection wasn't true. All right, we're, we're going we're to play, we're gonna play uh, alternate history here for a second. All right, first thing, though, the first thing we see is that if there is no resurrection, then, go, excuse me, then going to church and preaching are a waste of time. Let me read to you verses... Uh, I'm going to read, begin in verse 13. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. So if there is no resurrection, then us sitting here this morning, we're just wasting our time. We should be at home, you know, uh, watching television or hiding Easter eggs or doing whatever it is that we could be doing in this time. But the resurrection is true. We're gathered here today to do that. It is preaching, the fact that the Christ has risen, that's the reason that I'm standing here, but preaching is what helps us to grow in our faith. It's what helps us to draw closer to God. Romans 10, 17 says this, so faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. And what's that message? That message is the message that Jesus lived a sinless life, he died on the cross in our place, and was resurrected by God three days later, and now sits at the right hand of God. Right? That is the message that we hear, and it's the message that helps us to grow in our faith. If Christ hadn't risen from the dead, that message would be vain. I'd be up here just espousing things, trying to get you to follow, follow me rather than follow God. Second, the second thing we'd see is that Paul tells us that the re- if it tells us that without the resurrection, 
we are still dead in our sins. Sin is when we depart from the plan that God has for us. Let me read to you. I'm going to read uh, just a little bit here. Beginning in um, verse 15, it says, Moreover, we, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. That's a devastating thought. That is a terrible thing to think about. That if Christ had not been raised from the dead, then we are still in our sins. We are still caught up in everything that goes on. Now, I was saying, sin is when we depart from the plan that God has for us. It is when we tell God that our way... Our way of doing things is better than his way of doing things, right? We look at God, and in our pride and in our arrogance, we say, God, you know that plan that you have for my life? I think my way is better, and I'm going to pursue my way. And you know what ends up happening every time that happens? We end up caught up in brokenness, right? We, we find ourselves mired in brokenness, and so we start trying to find ways to fix that brokenness. But do you know what happens? It just gets worse, Right? We are never able to get ourselves out of this. We try to fix the brokenness, and it just makes things that much worse. We are enemies of God and eternally separated from him because God is holy. Because God is holy, he can't be around our sins. But our salvation comes through Jesus' death and his resurrection. Right? It's, not, it's, it's important to know that Jesus died for us. It's much more important to know that Jesus was raised from the dead because it showed that the sacrifice that he made on the, Christ, on the cross was accepted. Let me read to you Romans 5, 8 through 10. It says, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Because Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead, we can have our sins forgiven and we can be reconciled and made right with God. The last consequence that we see is that if there is no resurrection, then we have no hope of the future. All right, it says here in verse, uh, verse 17, it says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Then those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. If we're gathered here today and there is no resurrection, then we have no hope. There is, there is, nothing, there is nothing to look forward to. There is, it, 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 it's just an infinite sadness that awaits us. Uh, there's a book, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I haven't read it. I've heard of it. All right. There's a book called Cat's Cradle. It's by a guy named Kurt Vonnegut. All right. He's a, he, he writes um, books that smart people read. Um, so. But uh, in that particular book, it takes place in the future, an important book comes to light. It is titled, What Can a Thoughtful Man Hope For? Hope for Mankind on Earth Given the Experience of the Past Million Years. That's the title of this book. Let me read that again. What can a thoughtful man hope for mankind on earth given the experience of the past million years? The chief character in Cat's Cradle is anxious to read it, but when he does, he finds that it doesn't take long. The whole book consists of one word, nothing. 
So what can man hope for if there's no resurrection? We can hope for nothing. Now, if we are placing our faith in Jesus Christ and he is not alive today, we have no hope. In fact, Paul says that we should be pitied more than anyone else because we're holding on to something that isn't true, that do doesn't exist. Have you ever seen somebody who's waiting for something to happen? And, and you may, uh, Tina and I, right after we got married, we, uh, we used to go to a church down the road called McLean Bible Church. And the pastor of the church there, his name was uh, her, the guy who spoke when we would attend. Uh, they had a lot of pastors, big church. Um, his name was Todd. And Todd would tell this really sad story. And he would tell this story about how his mom would tell him that his dad was going to come and pick him up and take him to the movies or do something. He didn't really have a good relationship with his dad because his dad walked out on them when he was really small. And so his mom would say once in a while, hey, your dad's coming to get you today. And he'd get so excited. And he'd go and he'd sit and he'd look out the window and he would wait. And his friends would come over and they'd say, hey, do you want, do you want to come out and play? Do you want to play? He'd say, no, my dad's coming. My dad's coming. And he would sit there and he would wait for hours for his dad to show up. And his dad was a deadbeat. So you know what happened? Dad never showed up. And it got to the place where he, his mom would tell him, hey, your dad's coming to get you. And he'd go, eh. He just, he had no hope that his dad was going to show up. It was the saddest thing I'd ever heard, man. All the, all the girls in the audience are crying because, you know, such a, such a sad story. That's what we would be if there was no resurrection. We would have no hope in that. But here's the thing. The resurrection... 100% true. Matthew 28, verses 5 through 7 says this. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. This is key. He is not here. Let me say that again. He is not here. For he has risen just like he said. Come and see the place where he lay. It's like, he told you he's going to rise? Take a look. He's not here, man. This is awesome. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. Now, those are the consequences. The third thing that we have is the fact that our hope is found in Jesus Christ. There are lots of people who put their hope in all kinds of things. I've been reading this book. I've been reading this book about heroin, right? It doesn't sound like it'd be a fascinating book, and I'll be honest, it's a little scary because it, it takes place here in our state. Right? It, it's a book about people who are putting their hope in something other than Jesus Christ. And do you know where it leads them? It leads them to a dark place. All right? our, our, our state, our state, and this particular area, uh, Berkeley and Jefferson County, we lead the state in the number of uh, opiate addictions and overdoses because people are putting their hope in something other than than Jesus Christ. And the reason that I bring this up this morning, you're like, Jonathan, this is Easter. Why are you talking about heroin on Easter? Why are you talking about overdoses on Easter? The reason is, is because our hope is in Jesus Christ. And we've got a, a, a county full of people. We've got the Eastern Panhandle full of people that are hurting and that are turning to other things to fix that hurt and to fix that pain. They're turning to these things. And our answer, the answer to that is Jesus Christ. And the fact that we've gathered here this morning means that we have hope in Jesus Christ. We should be taking that hope and we should be taking it out and sharing it with the people around us. That's, that's the reason that I bring that up this morning. Now, continuing on here. Paul doesn't just leave us without hope in this passage. Let me read 20 through 22. 
he, he just lays it right out. He says, but as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ will all be made alive. We've got the hope right there. Paul t tells us that our hope is in Jesus Christ. He just lays it right out. And because Christ has been resurrected, we can have hope that we will be as well. Right? When we go through dark times, and there are, everyone in this room at some point has walked a dark path. All right? I, I, I've, I've talked with some of you. I've sat with some of you. I, I've gone through some dark things. My, my family has gone through some dark things. Every one of us has gone through dark times. But the fact that we have Jesus Christ gives us hope that we can go through those dark times. Paul uses this passage to contrast Jesus with Adam. It's through Adam that sin entered the world. And because of sin, we now experience pain, we experience sorrow, we experience all of those things. We will all eventually experience death because of what Adam did in the Garden of Eden. But it is through Jesus that the resurrection comes. Because of Adam, all of us will die. Because of Jesus, those, who have, uh, those of us who have put our faith in him, we will live again. Amen. We can have hope for the future. We can have hope in dark days. We can have hope in the resurrection because Jesus was resurrected himself. I'm going to read for a couple verses here. 1 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17 says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. There's the resurrection. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will always be with the Lord. We have hope in Jesus Christ. Christ is alive, and one day he's coming back for his people. Those of us who have put our faith in him, we will be reunited with him. That gives us something to hold on to. Even in our darkest days when we're experiencing sorrow and we get those, we get those medical diagnoses, diag the doctor tells us things, sorry. The doctor tells us things that are difficult to, for us to grasp and difficult to say, apparently. Um, when we get those, we have hope in Jesus Christ. We know that, yes, I am sick right now. Jesus is coming back to make it better. Yes, I have lost my job right now, and things are difficult, and things are, things are painful. Jesus is going to make them better. I have to go through this dark time now. Jesus is coming back. Because of the resurrection, we have that hope. Even Job, Job, we studied him last year. Um, Job chapter 19, 25 through 27 says this. But I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the end, he will stand on the dust. Even after my skin has been destroyed, yet I will see God in my flesh. I will see him myself. My eyes will look at him, and not as a stranger. My heart longs for him. Or I'm sorry, my heart longs within me. Because of the resurrection, we have hope that we will see Jesus Christ again. Now, when we began today, we looked at the words of Thomas Jefferson, and those were some sad, devastating words. The fact that he believed that Jesus was in the tomb, and that was it. They, lack, they lacked hope. There was, there was no hope in them. Now, what we're going to do is we're, I also want to share with you some of words that were written by one of Jefferson's contemporaries. Jefferson lived at a time where I, I kind of, if I could build a time machine, Doc Brown ever gets that DeLorean built? I'm not going back to 1985. I might for a little bit. 
And I'm not going back to 1985. I'm going back to 1776. So I'm going to hang out with these dudes, find out what's going on. But one of his, one of his uh, contemporaries was a man named Benjamin Franklin. Right? I think if there's anybody who's going to give Thomas Jefferson a run for his money, as far as genius goes, it'd be Benjamin Franklin. Right? Benjamin Franklin was a really smart dude. This is what he wrote just before he died. He said this. The body of Benjamin Franklin printer, like the cover of an old book, its contents torn out and stripped of its lettering and gilding, lies here. Food for worms. But the work shall not be lost, for it will be, as he believed, it, it, for it will, as he believed, appear once more in a new and more elegant edition, revised and corrected by the author. Benjamin Franklin had hope in the resurrection. For those of us who are believers, I hope that hearing about this hope, the hope that we have in the resurrection, I hope it never becomes old. Right? I hope that if, if next year, if Eric gets up here and he starts stealing my thunder like he did this morning, and then I get up an hour later and I open it up and we start talking about the resurrection, I hope you guys don't go, oh, he's talking about the resurrection again. I hope it never gets old. I hope you hear it and it excites you and it fills you with power and you get, yeah, the resurrection. You, you, get, you get excited about it. I hope, I hope when you hear about the resurrection, you get the way that I hear, the way that I get anytime sabotaged by the Beastie Boys comes on the radio. All right, I'm just going to admit it right now. All right, I hope, you get, I hope you get jazzed up about hearing those things. I pray that it will be the strength that takes you through the hard days, days that seem like they have no end and no purpose. We have hope in Jesus, not because he was a good man. He was. We have hope in Jesus, not because he was a good teacher, probably the best teacher that ever lived. We have hope because he died for our sins, and three days later, he was resurrected, and he now sits at the right hand of God. He defeated sin, and he defeated death, and when we place our faith in him, we are saved, and we are given a hope, if we are given a hope of eternity. 1 Corinthians 15, 54-57 says this, When the corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place, death has been swallowed up in victory. Those are amazing words. Let me say them again. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory, where death is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have hope in the resurrection because of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here today or you're watching this via uh, Facebook or listening on the podcast later on, if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, today is today, the day to do that. It's not random that you're here this morning. It's not random that you turned on Facebook or you're listening to this podcast later on. It's not random. The Holy Spirit has been bringing you to this point and the gift of salvation is right in front of you. It is the grace and mercy of God that brought you here this morning and it is the grace and mercy of God that will take away your sins. You're here for a reason. Right? If you're a believer, you're here for a reason also. But if you're not a believer, the Holy Spirit brought you here this morning. He, he worked in your life and set all of the things in place to get you here this morning to hear this message. Don't continue in the brokenness for another day. But give your life to Christ and experience the hope that comes through Jesus and his resurrection.
Let's go to prayer. Father, I thank you for this passage of Scripture, Lord. I, I, I jokingly say a lot that I have a lot of favorite verses, and I, I truly do. But I have to say, 1 Corinthians 15 is one of the, the most special passages in all of Scripture, Lord. It is, it is a, 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 a dynamic uh, group of verses that just lay out the fact that Jesus Christ died on a cross and that he rose from the dead. And there are multiple, multiple, multiple accounts and witnesses to that fact. And Lord, I, I thank you that there was a time in my life where I put my faith and trust in you. It's when I was in kindergarten. I put my faith and trust in you. My sins were forgiven. My heart of stone was removed. And I was given a, a heart of flesh and reconciled back to you through what Jesus Christ did. And that was only possible because he died on the cross, but more importantly, because he rose from the dead. When he rose from the dead, it was proof that the resurrection, that the sacrifice had been accepted. And so, Father, I thank you that there was a time that I did that. Lord, and I'm trusting that there are many people hearing the sound of my voice through different media uh, that have done the same thing. But, Lord, if there is anyone here today, if there is anyone who has never done that, who has never put their faith and trust in you, what better day to do it than here on Resurrection Sunday, the day that we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ rose and he now sits on the right hand of God. Lord, don't let anyone who's hearing my voice that needs to hear this. And Lord, if there, there may be people that are here that are, are thinking, I know somebody who should hear this. Lord, help them, give them the, uh, the boldness to share the podcast or to share the Facebook, um, Facebook message or come and see us that we can find some way to get this message uh, shared out. But Lord, if there's anyone who needs to put their faith in you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would do that. The, 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 the time of them being here this morning was not random. It was not something that just happened, that they were here as a result of the Holy Spirit working and in your sovereignty. Father, I pray that we would be emboldened, that we would uh, never get tired of hearing about the resurrection, that, um, that, that we would hear it and it would get us excited knowing that we have a hope for the future and that we would share that message with everyone else, knowing that the things that we've put our faith and trust in uh, are, are, are tied up in heaven with you. Lord, we ask all of this in your beautiful name.